0: Hey, you're listening to Featuring Filmmakers,
1: a podcast where we talk to people in the filmmaking industry about their projects and the creative process behind making them. My name is JJ.
0: And I'm Amanda. And this is Featuring Filmmakers.
1: As always, we recommend checking out this episode on the blog so that you can watch the full project and get context into everything that we discuss on this episode.
0: Christian Schultz is a director based out of New Orleans. He's got loads of knowledge in all different forms of filmmaking, but today we're talking about his feature film called Presence. If you like psychological thrillers, be sure to check out this movie and enjoy this episode with Christian Schultz. I just need to get this out in the open. I am very scared of uh horror films and thrillers. So for me to watch this, it it was a little nerve-wracking. I was a little nervous, <laughs> but and look, I only dove into the trailer, but it was uh pretty amazing. Um so I'm excited to chat with you about it today. Thank you. Uh I guess my first question for you is how did this project, how did this film come to be?
2: Yeah, so I would say we started the process in early 2019, and the production was from November to December of 2019. Um, And then we finished the project, uh, Principal Photography, right before the pandemic hit. Um, But leading up to that, a lot of it was um, sort of taking an opportunity that was that had come up with uh, some producer friends of mine um, in New Orleans who had a slate for, for a sort of a genre movie. And um, the budget was extremely low. And I think they came to me knowing that um, I would be, you know, as a first time narrative director, it was, it's a little risky for any producers I think to hire, you know, somebody who hasn't, hasn't worked in the space or anything, but I think um, knowing me and my sensibilities, I think they knew that I would kind of come in and put my heart and soul to, into it, you know, no matter, I, I'm also not a huge fan of genre stuff. Like I'm not um, a horror nerd or, mm. um, you know, I, I can't reference sort of, you know, we with this film, we've been traveling a lot with like, you know, to festivals and stuff. And there are some like diehard horror fans that i feel like our movie kind of plays into a little bit but a lot of it is is not straight um horror you know i think it's it, it was definitely me coming into it um with just my sensibilities of of the canon of films and filmmakers that i love um and bringing that into it instead of you know wanting to hit a bunch of horror tropes or like you know looking at a character in the movie and going Oh I see what she, what her place is in this movie and and that's the rules that we play by but I think it was very much trying to do something new you know in the genre and do something new for myself um but it started with uh yeah a couple producers um that had a slate for this for a movie um which is kind of a weird way to do it but if you know the horror genre and all you know that a lot of times that is Weirdly enough, how it happens, where um, people get sort of slates or investments or or whatever for movies that are just not created yet. You know, there's a lot of people that are um, investing in buying sort of genre, a certain number of genre films, which is very interesting to me. Looking back on it, like not knowing sort of how the the whole scope of that of the genre works, but there are a lot of people that are. Um, you know because genre is one of the only you know horror is like one of the only um genres that you don't typically need like an A-list star you know what i mean like the 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 premise and the the concept and the the horror elements are really the thing that keep it going and it's uh, it, you just don't need sort of an A-list star so they can be made very cheaply, you know, and I think that's why you see a lot of horror, horror films in a year if you, you know, but there's um, very few that stick out, you know? Yeah. Um, I
0: feel like I know a lot of actors who have like started out in horror films and yeah. that's where they've like initially broken into the film world.
2: Yeah, it's true. Cause I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for actors in genre films because again, they're so cheap to make. Um, but hard to make well, I'll say. You know, a a good a good horror film is really special. And I think I see that uh even more so now after finishing this, like how special some, you know, the the great genre films that that people love, like how special they actually are, like The Exorcist and Hostel and like you know, these um things that uh movies that I uh grew up on but never really um, saw how special they were, you know?
1: Would you say that uh, Presence is a horror film through and through? Does it kind of cross over into any other genres?
2: I mean, for sure it has horror elements. Um, I, I think it's much more of a psychological thriller than anything. Yeah, Very I was going to say
0: psychological.
2: Yeah. I mean, so much of the movie takes place inside the protagonist's mind, you know, and I think especially when some of the things begin to sort of bleed into reality, I think that's when the movie changes, you know? Um, but I, I'm always a big fan of puzzles and the way that a movie can be, uh, the information of a movie can be hidden and then released at, at appropriate times, you know, or a time and place that like makes the, the fun of watching movies, you know, that much more, you know, I think the, um, when you see the movie, I think it's, it is a puzzle piece, you know, kind of movie that, um, rides on suspense and rides on mystery. And, um, yeah, it, it I think we're a, a normal sort of horror. Um, you know, there's, there's like a couple jump scares, but there's, we don't really kind of go into the art of the jump scare, which is like an art, which in itself, I think it's much more built on, um, you know, the monster or the, the scary element is, is sort of in the cast, you know, it's not so much, um, you know, a a monster sort of trying to kill people. It's much more like the monster inside ourselves or the shadow self, you know,
1: it looks like, uh, I mean based off the the little bit that I know about you now it looks like you have some experience kind of in this dr- uh genre. What's your what's your history in the genre? How did uh how did that kind of get started for you?
2: Yeah, I think like anything else I'm a huge just fan at first, you know. I started making movies and, and shorts and stuff when I was like 11 years old just like borrowing my mom's VHS camera and and uh, probably damaging it a number of times um
0: shout out to moms yeah <laughs>
2: um but yeah i've just, i've been obsessed with movies from a very very early age and I think that being a sponge my whole life i'm very i'm a very curious person um i don't I don't throw any shade at any kind of movie i like most movies you know i try to stay away from sort of like the avatars and uh, <laughs> stuff like that, but um, me too, it, yeah. But I think just growing up and like being a huge fan of amazing filmmakers, you know, like Alfonso Cuaron or um, Darren Aronofsky and um, you know, Steve McQueen, like these, these really kind of pillars in like independent cinema, um, is what I grew up on, you know. So I think, um, Yeah. I think I was like 13 or something when my parents finally put a TV in me and my brother's room and, and we somehow were able to get like the IFC channel, which is like the independent film channel. But that was like, so important to me when I look back on it, like being able to see like Ito Mama Bien" by Alfonso Cuaron and like, um, you know, like these weird movies like Spanking the Monkey by, um, um, oh, what's his name? David O. Russell like These just great independent filmmakers, like that's what I grew up on, instead of um, instead of you know, Harry Potter or um, you know, sort of like mainstream movies. I think my parents were very um, intu- intuitive to what we were into as kids, you know, and they would feed that stuff, and so my parents were showing me like. Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, Casablanca and some like it hot and movies like this that I think are obviously of a different era, but, um,
0: Yeah. Seems like your folks had really good taste.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think maybe we probably have more disagreements now on, on on what things are are good or whatever, but, um, they, they, I mean, more than anything, I, I have to give so much sort of admiration to my parents for, um, and it wasn't even just films. It wasn't even like I was so good. I wasn't like Spielberg, where I was making these amazing short films. But I was just curious, and I think my parents saw that really early on. And I was, I wanted to play music, so my dad bought me a drum set, and and would like drive me to all my shows, and like fill up a trailer, and like put all of our gear in it, and like do merch for us and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it was just a. Uh, he was fascinated with what I was fascinated on, and that definitely fueled a lot of my curiosity and the idea that you could be interested in something and do it, you know,
1: I guess jumping back into presence, um, there is some really incredible locations, uh, featured here. Very, some beautiful spots and being out on the water and everything. What was the, the process of location scouting? Like were you involved in that at all?
2: Um, yes and no. So the, this also goes back to sort of the way that the movie was made, which is very interesting. Um, but (laughs) me and, and the collaborators on the, especially a guy named John Paul Summers, who is the cinematographer on this movie. Um, we are really good at like sort of getting a lot of bang for our buck because we, we come from a market that is, you know, There's, I wouldn't say cheaper stuff, but in New Orleans, like, it's not like, uh, there's not just a lot of things available. You have to kind of have a grassroots approach to things. Um, So we ended up getting, one of the investors in the movie was a a guy named Bob Giles, who is an executive producer in the movie. And we were doing sort of commercial stuff for him and sort of the businesses that he owns for the last five or six years. And we sort of cashed in on like a, you know, a a favor that we we had written this movie that takes place on a yacht and he happened to own a yacht in the Virgin Islands. Dang. Um, and he also has like a private plane that he travels with and that's the plane that we used in the movie, you know?
0: Mm.
2: So a lot of his his, uh, instead of like cash... To the movie instead of like him giving, um, I think he ended up giving some cash, but instead of him giving, nice, you know, financial support for the movie, that was his financial support was giving us these really expensive locations for free. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Where was it shot?
2: It was in the British Virgin Islands.
0: Ooh, I've actually so, been there and it is indeed beautiful.
2: Yeah. Especially, I don't I forget. Yeah. In November, it was like perfect. It wasn't too oh, hot. yeah. And it wasn't the weather wasn't that bad. Um, and it was just yeah, it was perfect weather the entire time. But we we shot, yeah, we shot four days in New Orleans, and then we everybody we kind of pared down to like a skeleton crew and flew out to the Virgin Islands two days later. Yeah, I was gonna say
0: you're based out of New Orleans, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I actually just watched a film that is set in New Orleans with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and oh crap, I forgot Is it his Coseway? name. Yes, yeah, yeah, I watched that. That was a, it. Was a really good film. It was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I just the the location was really beautiful, and I thought I got to go back to New Orleans. Yeah. I need a beignet.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's a special place.
0: That's what they're called, right? Vignettes. Beignets, yeah, yeah. yeah, those are the best.
2: <laughs> Were you
1: able to to find any time to? Relax in the British Virgin no. Islands. Just work no. mode the whole time.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, we shot this movie in 14 days. Um, which, I think it was a 100-page script. Um, so, a, a lot of the days we were trying to hit between 8 and 10 pages. And if, if you know anything about production, you know that's kind of suicide.
0: Yeah, it's um, intense.
2: So... I mean I s another sort of like thing I, I say to to people all the time as far as like this stress level and like the I don't know what I don't even know what happened, but I like started I started the movie at like a hundred and like ninety pounds or something. And then I got home like two weeks later and I weighed like a hundred and seventy pounds. I'd lost like twenty pounds in oh in fourteen days. And I thought I, I was no sick, doubt. you know. I thought I had like gotten a bug or like some kind of skin eating thing, but, um, oh my God. Yeah. It's, there's no time to, I mean, it was obviously enjoyable because you're out in the water and it's just beautiful. And all of your friends are there making a movie with you that it's hard to not enjoy it to some degree, but, um, yeah, the brief moments of enjoyment were, yeah when you're not focused crushed.
1: on the task and you have yeah. a second to like step back, but which yeah. is rare during production, but that's cool, uh, speaking of like you mentioned the script um I guess around that the writing of the script, the pre production revisions, what was that process like? How long did it all take leading up to the production
2: yeah so Again, this one was rather strange because we had – the way that it had to work with the shooting on the on the yacht, it had to fit within a certain window of time for our investor to, like, be able to do it because it, it travels around. Like, the boat goes to Australia, and then he'll take it to Europe, and then he'll come back, um, and he rents it out to friends of his, you know, for weekends and stuff like that. So our little movie was like not, let's just say not on like the absolute highest priority for him. Um, It was very much a favor that we didn't want to take for granted. So the, the yacht had to, um, we had to shoot in a certain window of time on, on the actual boat. Um, So the process, like from the script from finishing the script to actually shooting was like very quick. It was like, maybe two months, three months, oh, wow. um, which is extremely quick. Yeah. But the the concept, the premise of the movie came out of kind of an interesting experience where me and my cinematographer, John Paul Summers, were like working on, I believe it was a commercial job somewhere in New York. And we were sharing an Airbnb and we like got up one morning and um we had both had like the same exact dream and it was very strange it was like we we both saw sort of like um it was it's hard it kind of sounds unbelievable but we both had this dream about this um this yacht and sort of like um like the premise of the movie which is um sort of being trapped on this yacht as sort of like your dreams start to become reality um and like waking up to um yeah it was it was a weird synchronicity that me and him had and that morning we kind of talked about like oh we could do this we could do that um and that's when we kind of started writing the script so we had a guy named. Peter Ambrosio um, essentially write like the first draft of it while we were still working and, and doing other projects. And, and then I kind of inherited um, probably, I would say like six weeks, seven weeks out from production. We, um, I inherited that script, the the final draft of that. And I did a number of rewrites on it um, to make it what it was. Um, But again, very fast, you know extremely fast for um for what it was but
0: very much so yeah seems yeah. like it um i'm curious about the the casting process what did that look like
2: um again like we're trying to find with our kind of movie we you can't go after a list talent so i think you start to look at these um kind of like I would call them like silent, like killers that we know mm-hmm. of, you know, like we're, I was a huge fan of the Kaminsky method mm-hmm. and on Netflix. And mm-hmm. so we reached out to, uh, Jenna Ling Adams who plays in the, in that TV show. And she was interested and, um, eventually came on to to play the lead. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's like looking at these sort of, not stars of tv shows or or you know but it's like very easily i i believe that jenna is going to be a fucking superstar at some point yeah but she's still kind of in this growing phase of her career where you can you know get her on something that is more of a passion project you know Mm. yeah
1: um do you have a process like that you like a go-to process every time you're looking for talent do you, like, store people in, you know, the back of your head of, like, that person one day? Or yeah. I'm just curious if you have, like, a source or something.
2: I don't have a source. It's definitely – you're always going through sort of casting agents or agencies or whatever. But I think getting it to a shorter list is all just people I'm a fan of. You know, I I have, like, a sort of a notebook on my computer that I just save – certain things to save people i love that Um, yeah that's great if i see something in a movie that i was just like that person is very like and it's usually never the star of a movie it's always like it's always like the the you know the best friend of a character or like you know someone that just plays like a you know like a a a hot dog stand or something you know like the these weird sort of uh performances
1: is there certain characteristics or like things that yeah. you see in those shows that you that kind of trigger you to write that name down
2: yeah it's it's gonna sound really pretentious, but it's like a weird it's like a very basic like truth about I believe that they're real.
0: I, I think um, that makes I think that makes a good director truly. I I, I believe that that's a huge part of the process is yeah. knowing, um, emotionally, what you need on screen and yeah. knowing that those people can provide that.
2: Yeah, I think there's so many times I'm on set, and we're on the third, fourth, fifth take of something, and we, you know, quote unquote, have it. You know, like we have a performance that is. Um, believable and it, and it and it and it nailed sort of the way that the camera needs to see it and, it and it nailed sort of an emotional tone. There's so many times where I get to that point where I say, "All right, now let's forget everything and just surprise me," you know, do whatever you want. And I think those are the performances that is that I'm drawn to that just surprise me in some way. Love that. That like, I don't know. It's it's always like a little thing where they you it gets broken up. Yeah, I feel like when you. Sort of free up an actor to just like, you know,
0: mm.
2: do it as they see it, and less about what their interpretation of it. Um, and I think the only way you can get there is through a massive amount of takes, or, um, or just throwing the script out of the window, mm. you know. Because I'm I'm a huge fan of of you know. Kubrick did this, and David Fincher does this a lot. But like, he, there's there's a point in which, you know, if you're shooting a character walking from the door to you know go sit in this chair, if you do that you know a hundred times, they're going to forget that they're making a movie, and they're gonna they're gonna sit in their that chair as if they have sat sat in their chair a hundred times, you know. Um, which is oddly yep. a hard thing to do for an actor to just mm. you know sit in a chair. Like mm-hmm. a human, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I'm I'm trying to get to most times, but a lot of the projects that especially this movie, we don't have the ability to to run a hundred takes, you know. We're sure. trying to hit ten pages a day. So you're getting, you know, probably a five to one ratio on takes, you know. So for each setup, you're you're trying to get five, maybe five to ten takes of a of a setup, you know. Um, which is not a lot it's not a lot of things to work with. So luckily we were working with amazing actors and actresses and, and they could very quickly hit like on take two or three. It's like, okay, that's like, that's very good. Um, now let's break it up. Now let's just throw everything out the window and, and do something that surprises me. You know, that's what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah. So, so before we, again, before we dive into, Production. I'm curious, would you be able to tell um, the listeners what this film is about in, in just sort of a brief little couple sentences or whatever?
2: I would say that the movie is about two friends who are business partners who are invited on like a week-long um, yachting voyage with like a potential investor for their business that they have. And uh, at night... Jennifer's the, the lead actor, uh, the lead protagonist, Jennifer's dreams kind of bleed into reality um, as the other two realize that something has been brought onto the boat sort of unknowingly. Um, so I, I pitch it as like kind of like a shining at sea, you know. Um, but it's a, it's essentially a chamber movie. you know, it takes place in uh, mostly one location. Um, and it's very much about, um, I think like the, the sort of deeper notion of it is it's about trauma it's about sort of losing your mind and, or the idea that you think you're losing your mind, um, and not knowing what is real and what is, what isn't, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for kind of giving that little rundown. I just felt like that would be helpful for the listeners. But, um, so switching gears into production now, how big was the crew? I know you said you kind of started, you started in New Orleans and then kind of condensed it, um, in the BBI. So I'm curious how big the crews were.
2: Yeah. So in New Orleans, I I would say not including Cass, we, I think we had, 12 crew members um, So yeah the first four days were probably close to like 20 people on set including cast and stuff like that. Um, when we went to the British Virgin Islands, I think it was six people. Um, so it was really just myself, a producer, one first AC a cinematographer, um, an audio engineer and then um, sort of a makeup and wardrobe person. That's it.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, nice. Um. Okay, I'm curious about filming on the boat. Tell us a little bit about that experience. I'm sure there were challenges. I mean, with it being a yacht, it probably wasn't as challenging. Yeah. Am I correct in assuming that? But I'm just even thinking like lighting, where the heck are you going to plug everything in?
2: Yeah, so... When you see the movie, as soon as we get to the yacht, um, there was zero lights used, no lights. Everything was natural. And we had gone out and scouted the yacht maybe, maybe like a month or two before production started and took a bunch of photos um, in the BVI, which is, it, it, I knew it would be similar in sort of, lighting quality and time of year and sort of when the sunset and when it didn't and just what the the boat looked like um naturally you know so i would say we just made the right decisions in terms of where these you know where our dialogue was taking place was um you know we have a, a couple dialogue scenes that are like interiors which all of the lighting fixtures on the boat were as if you had, like, designed it this way for to, like, shoot on. It was absolutely perfect because every room had sort of, like, um, built-in, like, sort of string lights that would, like, accentuate, like, the corners of the room, and then it had uh lamps and then it had like overheads and you could just tweak you could turn them down to zero percent to one percent to fifty percent and you could kind of tweak everything inside the rooms um everything was on its individual you know dimmer and everything could be used uh or dimmed through like an ipad i believe um which is just how the yacht came you know it wasn't like we had planned it that way but
0: doesn't get better
2: yeah So we knew that we we wanted to shoot all of our interiors, and we kind of got there and and started picking, like, certain rooms that were ideal, you know? Um, I think we probably shot in three rooms, but there was, like, I think there was, like, five or six rooms on the yacht. Um, And then we very specifically, with doing it this small with a, a size crew like this, you could be really nimble and move really quickly. So all of our exteriors, we just chose the right time of day, you know? Um, And we got really lucky with, you know, the actual crew of the yacht um, also played like little parts in the the film. But our captain, Captain Arnold, was just rad. Like he, we, it's very difficult to keep, a yacht sort of backlit with the sun because you're move especially if you're anchored, you're just floating. So we would just be on a walkie in between takes and saying, all right, like 20 degrees, right? 20 degrees, right? 20 degrees, right? Like, so we would roll a take for five minutes, but eventually throughout the take it would kind of drift back another way. And then we'd cut and then we'd, he'd kind of reposition it. Um, which is a massive sort of like you're turning on all the engines you're you know it's very loud for like you know 3 minutes and then you do another take and then you do another take um and sometimes we were even moving and um you know there's there's certain islands in the background that you're like okay we have to double back and do this piece of coverage while the island is moving in the background that we have to go back again and do it so it was we got extremely lucky with just having the right crew that was down because i think there was probably there could have been a situation where we had a different investor a different crew a different anything like they didn't have to do that for us you know but they wanted to they were just down to make our movie great you know yeah yeah
1: that was uh i was gonna ask then like was it quite limiting in terms of when you could shoot if you were doing all natural light or did you just have to like plan, okay, these shots are during the day. Like we'll shoot those and then kind of shoot out of order.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, I think when you watch the movie, there's, there's really no like favoriting. Uh, Obviously all the sort of main dialogue stuff on the exterior of the boat is shot at magic hour, you know, like backlit sort of like beautiful, Sunsets. I don't think we ever shot a sunrise. Um, we just planned our schedule appropriately to be like, okay, we're gonna shoot from four to six on this dialogue scene. That's all we have to shoot, and then we would go on to night scenes for the rest of it. So most of our days were half day, half night, and we would shoot kind of off, uh, out of out of order of the script. And were you um,
1: were you going out to sea and coming back every day? Yeah. So
2: we would all. Let's say like we get to the yacht on at eight o'clock and we would drive. We would, yeah, we would drive out for about three miles, which took about 30 minutes and we would shoot our first scene. And then we kind of relocate a little bit. Um, and some days we just shot, um, on the dock, you know, it where it was just docked and, um, Yeah, we didn't have to always drive out, but for some of a lot of the scenes that we were trying to accomplish in one day, at least one of them required us to be like in open water, you know, to to see some some changing landscapes and stuff.
0: Did you get seasick?
2: No. So I think maybe one the first day we any
0: Dramamine.
2: Yeah, they had like non-drowsy Dramamine for everybody, um, which. Surprisingly, works really well.
0: <laughs> it does. It does.
2: Yeah, I didn't get sick one time. I don't think that's great sick.
0: That's good. Yeah.
2: So I and know it's also like, like a a ninety foot yacht. So like,
0: mm, it
2: moves mm-hmm. a lot, but it's not like it's it's crazy. It's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: I know yachts that size usually have like a decent crew behind them to just to operate the thing. Did was the crew present for that? Was they like a a slim down crew for this? or
2: No, I, they were all there every day because um, the captain was always driving and then you had two sort of deckhands that were always needed. Um, in order to just get it out of the dock, it takes like six people, you know?
0: Yeah, and you um, mentioned some of them made them in the film, right? Made it yeah, in like the film. we, yeah, we got so to...
2: In the movie, Captain Arnold dies. Um, captain Arnold yeah I mean
0: no. more or less
2: everybody gets killed in this movie, but um, spoiler alert yeah one of our crew members makes like a surprise uh cameo towards the end in like a very cool moment um, okay, as like that's as great. like not a crew member um, that's great but they loved so it. They I'm just thinking in. of all I of like, the
1: <laughs> the complications of shooting on a boat all day like crafty like is the is the crew the boat crew like feeding the film crew (laughs) was like a regular boat charter kind of situation.
2: Yeah. So it was, it was, we were treated as, as if we were renting the boat for 10 days. So every lunch was provided. Dinner was provided. Breakfast were, you know, pastries and it was, it was as good as you could ask for. I mean, for lunch we were eating fish and, and steaks and,
0: you know, I have a lot of experience in PA work. So if you need me for future yeah. yacht shoots, just <laughs> let me know.
2: I probably will never shoot on a boat the rest Damn of my it. fucking <laughs> 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 For as good as it was, um, you know, I mean, there's countless directors that have tried to shoot on boats and they say the same thing where they're just like, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. Um, because it's just, yeah, it's just really really difficult. Yeah.
1: yeah. I know um, you mentioned you worked with a cinematographer um, and I'm not sure like what your process is, how involved you like to be in equipment and everything, but um, to get a little bit techy for a second, do you know uh, what you guys shot on your lens choice? Yeah. Is that something you like to be involved in?
2: Yeah. All the time. I think, I mean, my, what I, what I like take on as myself as a director is um obviously with co- in collaboration it's never just i'm not on an island somewhere um choosing all these things but i feel like my job is um is lensing and not like the brand of lens but like um i think a focal length decides a lot of point of views of a character and how close you are to somebody makes a lot of difference hmm. um, in sort of a state of mind of a scene. Um so I take l- lensing and in, in sort of focal lengths very seriously. And that's great. That's to, that's
0: such good advice, honestly.
2: Yeah. I think I mean there's so and it's like an endless, I think you could study that forever. I think you could I mean, I'm also super nerdy on that, that sort of thing in, in terms of like you know, for this movie, I think we had like 10 movies that were like kind of big references for us. Um, And I studied those really hard in terms of like, okay, I like this medium shot. I like this sort of wide shot. I like this um, use of a close-up here, figuring out what lenses those were and what focal lengths and, and sort of the distance that I think, you know, if you look at sort of my other work and in reference to this movie... Um, I think this movie is like much wider in composition, which is very intentional. Like a close up is never really close up. It's mm-hmm. it's like, um, it might be shot in like a little bit of a longer lens, but it's never like really close. And I think it's it, it's it was intentional because of the scale of the locations that we had. We wanted to shoot a slightly wider movie to be able to to show off those the scale of the movie. And I felt like going tighter um, would have just limited it, you know? Mm-hmm. So a yeah. lot of our compositions were um, a lot wider than than we had normally shot in the past, me and John Paul.
1: Um, Do you remember yeah, then what the lens choice was? Yes. Or like
2: I think plural? it was – so we shot on um, uh, Ari uh, Alexa Mini – one Ari Alexa Mini, which looking back was very risky, <laughs> because we only had one, uh, yeah. and we were shooting on out water. on a boat. Yeah, <laughs> and if anything ever went wrong, we the movie was just you know we'd oh, have gosh, to stop yeah. there.
0: Oh no! Um,
2: so yeah, we shot an uh, Alexa Mini, and then we had a full set of Ultra Primes, which um, Ultra Primes are used uh, in a lot of different, but Movies like Arrival and uh, yeah, a lot of like Bradford Young stuff. Yeah, Yeah. they're They're nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're very just clean, nice, and they have like interesting sort of bokeh like um, characteristics to them. Um, And they're super fast. So they they open up to a one four, which for all of our night stuff, we needed. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah. Do you have any fun stories from production? There's gotta be something good being on that boat and I mean there's in that so location. many to,
2: I, I, I. when I think about this project, like the, the the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle and the biggest like um moment of like success was on the same day within like, you know, probably three hours. You within know, in a three hour window. But on the last day, we had found a location that was like a cove that we were going to end the movie at. And it was kind of a hike to get there. We had to get on a smaller, I forget what it's called, but a smaller boat that travels with the main yacht. Like a so dinghy. Put,
0: I was yeah, going to say dinghy. dinghy. Yeah. A very
2: fancy, very expensive dinghy. Oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it's not a
0: dinghy. We're looking at something much nicer. Yeah.
2: I think the dinghy on this is probably a million dollars. Oh my gosh. It's just so nice. <laughs> Every um, dinghy
0: I've been on is like inflatable, and yeah. <laughs> <you know. laughs>
2: um, so the entire crew uh, gets on this dinghy, and we travel, you know, to this um, this part of the BVI, and we had found this cove that we were going to shoot in, and we get there, and um, it was just completely flooded, like the tide. I think we had not calculated the. The time that we were going to be there and how high the tide was going to be and, and sort of the weather patterns and every photo and every piece of research that we had found was like this very serene sort of photography that was like, um, it was beautiful and it was like kind of shallow and people were just kind of like walking into it and it was beautiful and we were going to end our movie there. But I, you know, we get out and we, it's like a two-mile hike. So I just run down this thing. Like I, I have everybody stay up um, by the boat and I just bring a walkie-talkie and I just like run down like two miles, which is probably why I lost – I probably lost five pounds there. Goodness um, gracious, two but miles. I just, I just run down this thing um, to scout it with my cinematographer and we just see it and we're just like, oh, shit. We're f- absolutely – right now um and we walked we hiked back up and we just went to the captain and we were like do you know of anything secluded in the area like do you know of anything that we could shoot and he was like um not off the top he's an australian but i won't do an australian exit like, not, oh not, JJ, not the top can.
0: Of jj can jj <laughs> can he grew up yeah, in australia won't,
2: <laughs> He's like not not off the uh, top of my head, mate. But I'll uh, uh, let's just get back in the boat and let's just drive around. And I was it was the last day, and, and you can imagine sort of the sun is setting. You know, you probably have like four hours of sunlight left, and we don't have the end of this movie mm. shot. And I'm thinking of all the scenarios in my head of how to save it, how to save it. Where could I shoot this? Could we shoot this? back at the dock somehow and every single thing was just like my movie is just like going out the window
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and then he recalls something that he had seen um like a couple years before and he was like let's go look at this one place and we pull up to this island that was like an abandoned salt mine back in like this set 50s or 40s or 50s or something like that and there's no one lives there but there's like these old victorian homes that are just abandoned like on the island and um we just committed we were like okay let's let's go there we pulled up and it was absolutely beautiful there's like a a mountain on like a small mountain but like a very high sort of cliff that like the sun was starting to set behind and we just we I don't. I don't remember how we got to the beach because he couldn't dock the. There was no, there was no dock there. But he, we somehow we got off on the beach and, um, just started immediately shooting the final scene, which took us about an hour and a half. And it was the last day of production, and it was the last chance that we had to get it. And we, and we got it, and it was better than the cove. You know, I was going to ask about that. It was a better place. It was like. Kind of like you know like the universe was just giving us this gift of like, yes. this is where you're supposed to be. Mm. And I really want to see that shot now. <laughs> I know, it's me in, too. I think it's in the trailer. Oh, perhaps. is it? Oh, um, cool. It might, might not. Because there's, it's been a several trailers that have been made, but um, you, you you'll see it in the movie if you if you watch it. It's towards the end, but. Um, yeah, after I remember we shot this one final scene, this one final shot on on the beach with um, an actress named Terry Weibel, and it's like the act, actual like last shot of the movie, and um, we just like finished, and I called cut, and I said that's a wrap, and it and the sun was it was blue hour, and we were on this. So, like we were the only people on this island and i remember we all just like took off our clothes and just ran into the fucking ocean oh, that <laughs> sounds and, like, amazing just like together oh, you know that sounds just,
0: amazing
2: like, celebrated yeah and then we eventually got on the back on the dinghy and headed back to the yacht and it was like pitch black <laughs> and the captain had like turned on these like <laughs> these like Neon lights, and he just put on this like crazy rave music all the way back. So it was just yes. like, mm-ts, mm-ts, mm-ts. <laughs> and we were just drinking beers, just like driving blind in this. Uh, what a mountaintop finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah was seriously. Probably top five, you know, just so then, moments of my life.
1: So then you went immediately into editing the next morning, right?
2: <laughs> so I had planned to, because uh, we made this movie for $50,000. Um, and so that's amazing. Nobody got paid uh, except like our, um, like our first, like our key grip and our first ACs and like, you know, more people who like, you know, even still they took sort of a reduced rate because they wanted to work on this passion project with us. Mm -hmm. But like me and the producers and John Paul and, and the writer, like nobody took any money. We just wanted to make something and see if we could do it. And, Um, so the editing portion, I was going to take, you know, I'm a, I work as a director for a living. I I make commercials. I, I work on branded stuff. I make documentaries for people. So like the editing, the agreement that we came to was that we would have sort of a longer editing period so that I could edit myself and then, but I could still work. And it wasn't like a, a true sales timeline. We were going to finish the movie and then it into festivals and then try and sell it afterwards and um so right when we finished we did like I think we did like one day of uh pickups in Los Angeles and that was in I had like gone home and kind of put put together some pieces of the movie and then you know we decided that we needed some little tiny like close-ups and and stuff like that that we shot um Mm. in in March of 2020 and so, we were in LA when everything started shutting down, and I kind of took that as like a gift from the universe a little bit, where I didn't have any work to go back to. You yeah, know? all my work that I had planned throughout the summer was was now gone, and um, I could just make this movie, you know. So it was very much like me sitting in this room by myself. For about four or five months, um, just finishing the movie while the world was going to shit, wow. <laughs> and, and not yeah. really knowing if we had something that if if people were going to be buying movies, if it's I feel like if you looked at that time, the best the best like point in time to have a movie done was probably in 2019, like finishing finishing your movie in 20 you know December of 2019. Because when the world shut down, weirdly enough, like all the production shut down, so people were looking for to buy these movies and uh, just more content, you know. Um, so we tried to sort of quickly, as as quickly as we could, sort of finish it to uh, get it into market for um, while the world was still shut down, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, blessings on blessings there. You know, first the yeah. the final, you know days on set and then the, uh, process of editing, I've always thought that editing a feature would be so challenging, um, just because of the length and the intricacies of it. And I'm just curious what that experience was like for you.
2: Um, I think it's also pretty rare for the director to be editing their own movie I think most of the time an editor would be working with uh, an edit house or an editor, um, you know, for five, six weeks or something where they're coming in. Um, they're coming in on a daily basis, but like things are kind of moving when they're not there and they things are being put together and you're more so like reviewing things as opposed to creating, you know, um, the piece. But I, I just don't work that way. Like I've always, I, I was an editor first, like truly like, um, even from an early age, I would take things from, from other people and I would edit them down because I just had a a gift at editing and I could edit very fast. Um, so even now, like I still do short films for, for friends where like, you know, they don't have an editor, they can't pay an editor. I'm like, just give me a week and let me make some, like, I'll make it for you. Um, so I think it's obviously when you sit down, you open up the hard drive for the first time and you start looking at, you look, you start looking at everything. There's like definitely like pots of gold in there, but there's a lot of shit, you mm. know? And you're like, um, you start to hate yourself and you go through this grieving process and, yep. um, just like, <laughs> Me yesterday, think that, yeah, I think that's the creative process in general, you know, is like super high highs. And then you go through this circle of you know less interested and then you're the worst director in the world and you start to sort of piece things together and you're like this isn't that bad and then you get to a point where you're like this I'm very proud of this you know um but it's a grind you just have to keep going on it and um so my editing process for this but also for everything that I do um has like a lot of the first couple like days or weeks is just like a lot of discovery, um, putting things together and not really, not really worrying about trying to finish a scene and then move on, but just like put it together, put it together, put together, and then, um, spend a week of sort of re-edits and then, um, get it to a place where it's like, it's all the way through, it's watchable. I think that the first cut of this movie was two hours and 20 minutes, um, and the movie now is in, is a little under 90 minutes. I think it's 88 minutes. So mm. there's, you know, almost 50 minutes of this movie that was um, cut out of it. Wow. You know? so That's got to be
1: difficult as the director to, like, see scenes that you wrote disappear.
2: Yeah. It, and I don't think it was necessarily – there were some scenes that were just ditched altogether. But there was – which is also funny looking back on the production – where you're like, I'm not shooting enough. Like this mm. is moving too fast. I'm not getting enough out of these scenes. And when you get into the edit, you're like, I have too much of this. I don't have enough of this. You know, like I, there's so many moments that I wish I could look back uh, and tell myself something different. Like focus on this. This is the heart of this scene. Don't worry about this sort of flavor that you're trying to add on to it. You know, um, and I, I think like on like a technical note, I had, uh, I never went to film school, so no one ever taught me this. So I had to learn the hard way. Um, I had too many masters of scenes. I had too many, like three shots and, and two shots of scenes. Um, and it's, it's because we didn't have like a rehearsal period for this movie. So we would get the scene set up and we would start rolling on masters and the actors and the talent would sort of, Eventually, on take three or four or five, would start finding like a pace. Would so they would start finding a natural rhythm between the three of them, and and then I would and then once they had it down, now then I would start doing takes. So if you looked at like the the amount of masters that we did versus close ups, it was a huge difference in ratio. Um, But most of the scenes, most of the scenes in, in any movie take place in mediums and close ups. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a
2: lot of the, when I got into the edit, a lot of my sort of pain was because I didn't have enough of these mediums and close-ups that I wanted where most of the scenes live. And, um, but yeah, it was just a huge sort of learning opportunity for me to take into the future, you know?
1: Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. That's, I've never really thought about that uh perspective. I haven't shot a lot of features, but um definitely storing that piece of knowledge for later. Yeah. <laughs> um so the film you mentioned it's been released now, right? Yeah. Okay, it's, cool. Uh,
2: it actually just released yesterday, which was the Whoa, congratulations. Uh, sorry. It it released in November uh in November oh. on Amazon, uh through Amazon and then we just um Released it on Tubi yesterday, so that is awesome. It's now. I don't know if anybody uses Tubi, but it's it's free it's on, on the Tubi
0: Roku, right I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heck yeah! So how was that's amazing? The,
1: how has yeah. reception been? And um, are you happy to have it out there finally?
2: I think it's like, you know, every time that I put something out, whether it's a short or a music video or a feature or whatever, I feel the same. There's always, like, this post-release depression that you're, like... um, Because I think as artists, we, like, want the whole world to shut down when we release something, you know? We want everybody Mm -hmm. in the world to care and...
0: Yeah, check it out, guys. um, (laughs)
2: Yeah, I literally...
1: Even if I, like, show my wife something that I just finished making and, like, she'll, like, talk about something... During it or like notice something happening in the background during it, I'm like, can you just like just yeah. focus? You on just this, watch like,
0: it. I know. I know. I it. know.
2: <laughs> I had the same thing with my wife where I think we watched it before it came out and and something happened in the movie and she just went like, wait, so this person is so they're they're saying this but and I'm just like, stop. You You're like, no, right just watch it. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. stop.
0: <laughs> I so know that feeling, you guys. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. me. But no, so the,
2: the reception so far has been, um, I, I think, pretty – I mean, for a first movie, I think there's a lot of, like, wins that I I take out of this that are, like, more than sort of what festival it got into or what platform it's streaming on or what kind of reviews it has or whatever. There's so much – I mean, for us to – make the movie for how much we made it for and it being my first movie ever. And then it going to festivals and then selling at those festivals. Like I, I just don't care. Like I don't care if anybody sees it or if they don't see it, you know, like I, ha- I have a friend that um came up to me the other day that said he watched it and he was, he had like a question about it and <laughs> He, would, he asked me to explain it and I was like, dude, I'm not going to explain it to you. That's like part of the fun of watching this movie is is the puzzle pieces. So you got to watch it again. And he was like, well, I don't want to watch it again. I'm like, that's cool. You don't have to watch it again. You know, there's there's a lot that I take out of this that's like um, a huge learning experience, but also just being proud that like, um, and I don't want to sound pretentious or like I'm tooting our own horn or whatever, but like, to make a movie at all is kind of a miracle like to to finish something long form like this and to get everybody together and go through the post process and figure out the money and like and then get it into festivals and like do the whole thing it's like very 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 hard when you have little to no resources
0: absolutely and i was going to say to you that like even like you, you mentioned you had a lot of wins. I'm like, oh my goodness, making this film is a win. That yeah. is huge to make a feature film. And if that's it alone, my goodness, that is such an accomplishment. And honestly, I, I wanted to say this earlier, but congratulations, because that's such a win to make a feature. That's incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah a $50,000 budget, 14 days of production, on. a full movie. That
0: Let's sounds go.
2: impossible to me. And yeah. did it it so. is impossible. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It is impossible.
0: He lost 20 pounds, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Just
2: kidding. Oh, gosh.
0: Well, do you have any advice um, for fellow filmmakers who want to make a feature?
2: What we did really well, and I take this from the Duplass brothers, who are incredible independent filmmakers, um, where they design the movies that they're going to make based on – what they have around them, which I think is a a huge, um, resource that a lot of people have that they, that they don't recognize, you know, it's kind of the same principle of like, okay, if I, if I need to, um, yeah, it's like, you need a thousand dollars real quick. Like I would just say, like, look in your house, like you have things in your home that you're not using and that you're um, or just sitting underneath a, a table or something that you could sell in a garage sale or whatever. Like it's the same principle of like, if I don't have a lot of money, if I want it, but I want to direct something, I want to, I want to make something, and I'm, I feel like I have the taste and the the knowledge to be a good director or cinematographer or producer. I would write something that you that you have that you just have access to and that you um whether it's free or not, or whether it's, that could be anything. It could be, you know, um, this one actor that you really want to work with that you just became friends with randomly. Or, um, you know, I, I recently started writing a film with my buddy, um, who has access to, um, his, his family is from Germany and they have this home in Germany that they, um, it was like his grandmother's home that's like completely art directed with like this kind of post-war like, um, sensibility. And we're like, let's write something around that. And then maybe at one point we'll go there and we'll make it, you know? Um, there's just things like that, that I feel like, um, I just made a short, I just put out a short, uh, last week called crush, um, that you can find on short of the week and we shot it in my home. Shot it cool. right here in, in my Love living that. room and um, shot it in my bedroom um, because we were just hungry. We just wanted to make something, you know. Um, not everybody is, I, I would say, nobody's going to give you a million dollars or even half a million dollars or even less than that for your first thing. Um, so being really scrappy and knowing how to make something look bigger than it actually is, you know. Um, that's one of the biggest like sort of proud moments that I feel about this film it's like I think even if you just look at the trailer I think most people would say this is a, a million dollar movie or more you know mm-hmm. just f- based on what we got away there's with
0: there's a yacht
2: 100% yeah <laughs> it just feels very expensive it feels yeah. very um, very large and um, but yeah I think knowing sort of what relationships you have in your life and and people that you can pull on people want to help you make your thing, you know, if they have something, um, yeah, people want to help. I think that's another thing. It's like people not really wanting to ask for things. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah.
0: That's great advice. Honestly. Um, you know what? I, I was thinking about this. I thought as you were speaking, I thought, man, this has been a really inspiring interview for me. So I appreciate that a lot. You have given me a lot of thoughts that I'm really going to take with me. And I'm so, yeah, just thank you. That's so, this has been incredibly inspiring. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys.
0: One more question. We always ask our guests this, who would you like to see on the podcast? Who would you like to hear, um, a filmmaker or what project you'd like to see featured? Um, yeah. What, what do you think?
2: Yeah, you should. You guys should talk to a friend of mine named Jared Hogan. Um, I'm not going to
1: pretend like I don't know Jared. I don't, <laughs> I don't know him personally, but love Jared. His work, yeah, incredible. He's a big he
0: fan.
2: A, he's about about to put out a, a short film that cool. um, I actually went and helped him make in Atlanta um, with some real. Damian Young is in it. who is was like mm. an incredible actor. And Dustin Lane is a cinematographer who is cool, insane. They shot it on 35 mil. Um, it's a weird genre sort of thing, and it was some it of Jared's
1: Joji music videos are some of my some of my favorite projects out there.
2: He's a weird motherfucker.
1: I bet. <laughs> sure. I love that. I bet.
0: <laughs> we got to get him on here.
1: Yeah, we'll get him we'll talk about it'll be fun
0: well again thank you so much Christian like I said this has been very inspiring for me so I appreciate you being here and and talking to us um, quite a bit today so
2: yeah it was fun thank you guys for having me on
0: Featuring Filmmakers is made possible by Harvest Film Company
1: to dive into content about these projects that we discuss, you can go to our blog on featuringfilmmakers.com where we have everything laid out with behind the scenes the original project discussed and additional episodes there so check us out at FeaturingFilmmakers.com.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Love ya. Bye.